0: Oh,
1: my God. Wow. I mean, that... You can't get any more low-budget, old-school than that right there, baby. That's Ken I Griffey Jr. And we barely
0: got the lights on in the building.
1: <laughs> yeah, my, my my lights are flickering here as we're trying to start the show. Uh, that's a little throwback to the early 90s, Ken Griffey Jr. baseball. Uh, and what a fitting way to start this podcast, the Never NeverEnding Glory podcast baseball show. And we're here with the same panel that we had about a week ago. Sean Z, Luke Conley, Nick Schillig. And of course, the Godfather himself, Luke Grilly. You can follow us on Twitter. And four out of five of us are in a pretty damn good yeah, mood. Yeah, you can say that again. Uh, <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at Negpod MLB. You can follow Jerry and Luke at the original Glory Neverending Glory podcast at Glory Podcast. And if you want college football tweets and takes and updates, you can follow us at CFB. Uh Hot takes? Yeah. Oh, clearly, uh, Luke. Grilly is probably in a somber mood right about now. Uh, we have one division series left to be decided in baseball. We'll get to that later in the show. We are going to start, of course. Where else will we start? With the Indians and the Red Sox in the division series. Grilly, I'm going to let you, you know, the losing team always gets the first press conference after the game, so I'm going to let you kind of have the first word, and then we'll go from there.
2: Wait, the this, this series is over? I thought, I thought it was a seven-game series. I was hoping we had one more. No? No? Okay, well. Is this thing on? Okay, I want to get away. Um, yeah, you know, hey, it sucked. It was it was pretty brutal what happened. Um, the bats weren't they weren't they weren't swinging the bats. They weren't. Porcello turned back into his or Price turned back into his his postseason self, and it was just pretty pathetic. I think it really comes down to three things in this series that that really just was the nail in the coffin for the Sox. The first thing was anytime they tried to have some sort of rally by having a nice like sharp line drive or uh, hit a ball that looked like it would have been challenging for the the Indians to field. The Indians were right there every time and they made a great play on the ball. Um, So the the Sox could never really get a rally going by any means. Um, The second thing that hurt the Sox was they just simply weren't executing. Um, I mean, the strongest offense in major leagues pretty much got shut out for the most part. Obviously in game one, they had all those solo home runs, but other than that, the offense was pretty much stagnant throughout the series. And obviously a lot of that is is thanks to the, the Indians pitching and the, the front of their rotation, as well as, you know, Andrew Miller just coming in, just absolutely dominating us. But um, yeah, they got shut down. And then finally, the, what really was the most glaring thing I thought that, really just was the reason why the Indians are now moving on to the ALCS, was John Farrell came in with a game plan. Hey, we're just going to try to hit a ton of home runs and score a ton of runs, and hopefully our pitching will get us through. And Francona showed why he's the best manager in the game, I think, and he actually had a game plan, which Farrell, I think, is still trying to figure out what a game plan is. Um, And, you know, in the regular season, obviously, a manager's main role is to just – manage his team and the egos on a team and pretty much babysit for 162 games. And then once you get into the postseason, that's where they make their money and and you find out who the true game managers are. And Francona just managed circles around Farrell. So quick exit, and uh, for the next few months we're going to be talking about why John Farrell should be fired even though he's coming back next year. And um, everybody's got their pitchforks out for David Price. So uh, thoughts and prayers to David Ortiz's career. It didn't end the way it should have, but – Hey, uh, we'll move on. we got the Patriots. Do you think John Farrell should be fired? Um, I don't, actually. Uh, you know, Again, I, I mentioned that the, the main role for managers to, to manage egos, and he showed he can do that in Boston, which is one of the more challenging things to do. So um, I, I think they should stick around and, and keep him for at least one more year. He's under contract for one more year. They don't want to just cut him or just release him and then have to eat his salary and bring in uh, – the bench coach Terry Lavulo, Terry who I think is the next man up, and, and managed re-
0: manager the, <laughs> their farm system,
2: and he managed really well uh, when when Farrell was out with his cancer treatment. So uh, I don't think he should be fired. But uh, and again, I, I just think managers are a little bit overrated for what the Sox are trying to do. Uh, but you know what? Can you, what can you say? It, it's frustrating. It's disappointing. Uh, but I'm happy for the Indians. If I had to cheer for any other team in in the playoff series, it would be for the Indians. So. Hoping you guys can take to the Jays and, uh, you know, eventually move on to the World Series and and take down the Cubs because I don't see anybody who's going to beat the Cubs this year. Well,
1: let me say this. Before I let the other three Tribe fans speak, I thought that Game 3 was one of the most nerve-wracking baseball games I've ever watched in my life. Um, And a lot of that probably had to do with the fact that I had a six-hour drive home from D.C. in the morning and I listened to the radio the whole way and heard guy after guy on every national talk show – Basically, say the Indians had no chance to win Game Three, and the entire discussion was centered around how the how the how are the Red Sox going to up their pitching staff for the next three games? Because it wasn't even I mean they didn't even they, they talked as if the series had three more games to go, and I had to keep reminding myself, no wait, we actually only have to win one more game, and it's right. over. And you know, Tito, if we get a lead, is going to manage like it's Game Seven and try and put it away right then and there. And sure enough, we got a lead in Game Three. We went to the bullpen early again. And as it played out, you kind of got the sense, and you guys tell me if you agree or don't, you felt like we, we got to win this thing now because we're throwing all of our big guns for 40 pitches again. And if that game slips away at the end, which it certainly looked like it could have down the stretch, we're really in a world of hurt going into game four and five.
0: I didn't necessarily feel that way. I mean, truth be told, um, Boston only had four guys that could count on in their lineup, and I don't know that they had a pitcher that could count on. Um, was, you know, They're bringing Porcello back. He was terrible against us um couldn't locate everything was up missed spots by almost feet not inches um so I, from my vantage point it, it was nail-biting because of the circumstance but at no point did i did i necessarily feel like oh we lose this game the series is is in total jeopardy i i still feel like we had a level of command there i i felt if anything we, i thought we gave away some at-bats in the seventh eighth and, and ninth inning
1: i'll say it from this perspective it, it was important for the Indians to play from ahead in the series. And I felt like if we get let Boston get any kind of momentum, either with their lineup or just feeling like they were in the series, things could kind of flip. And the Indians did an outstanding job in every game, basically from the third inning of game one on, they never trailed. They never let Boston's lineup get going or have any life. They never scored one more than one run in any inning. I thought that was really important show.
3: Yeah, I agree. And, um, I think a lot of people think that you know Miller, of course, and Allen was the key of the series. I think the key was obviously Kluber going uh, deep into Game Two to allow um, Tito to to do the Miller and Allen for four plus innings in Game One and Game Three. Um, so yeah, I mean Kluber going Game Two and giving us the length he did was obviously I think the key of the series. Uh, the offense was pretty balanced, so you can't really point out a couple bats that didn't. Unbelievable job. I think it was a collective effort from everybody.
0: Yeah, I think what we need to do is we need to send Luke Gurley off this podcast because his team is no longer in the playoffs. <laughs> and we're here to talk playoff baseball, not offseason, playoffs. We're talking about playoffs.
3: Gurley doesn't even get a parting shot? He's just gone? <laughs> no, he's just gone. Give it to him.
0: <laughs> we ain't even going to give him a last word. This ain't like Skip Bayless just showing some of them other clowns. You're gone. All right, let's get
1: back into talking about this series real quick before we go on to the ALCS. You look at Boston's lineup, and if you take out Andrew Benatendi, who I thought was scary good in this series, he's going to be a nice player, and you take out Brock Holt, who went 4-for-10, the rest of the Boston lineup hit 173 in this series. Conley, I thought it was amazing how well the Indian staff was able
4: to hold them down. Yeah, no question. I thought the one thing you guys probably saw going along, uh, TBS during their, their during the broadcast, by the way, did a great job, unbelievable, Ernie Johnson, lighting it up, uh, was uh, uh, one of the stats they gave was how many innings the Red Sox had gone without scoring multiple runs in an inning, and it obviously spanned over the life of this series and their last two regular season games, but the fact that the Indians never really let them get that two, three, four-run inning and held them when they did score to one run, I thought was huge. It just did not allow Boston to get any momentum in this series and it really, like you said, allowed Cleveland to control it early because they were able to score early in those first couple games there and kind of just ride it out with their bullpen. I thought that was huge. The Indians were able to kind of play to their strengths by jumping out ahead early on.
1: Yeah, I thought I thought the the Red Sox hitters' approach was baffling too. I mean, the first two games they struck out twenty two times, and they had a lot of flailing swings and misses, chasing a lot of pitches out of the zone, a lot of check swings, some bad swings. And, and then and, and Tomlin, then they faced didn't Tomlin. Anything? Yeah, they faced Tomlin in game three, who you know is going to be around the plate. He comes out, and you could tell right away that Tomlin was locked in. He was he was painting the corners. He was in the zone, and they're taking strike one, strike
0: two repeatedly. It just didn't make any sense. Baseball, man, you press it changes everything. The harder you try, the more you fail. It's the beauty of the game. It's like golf.
1: Yeah, yeah that's a good point, and, and of course, as really pointed out, they did have some loud outs as well. And Indians were certainly fortunate in a couple spots to get out of some innings when there could have been trouble. But that's baseball too. I mean, you got to have some breaks along the way, and the Indians are moving on, and um, they're going to be facing the Toronto Blue Jays and the ALCS. So, uh, we're gonna need to go ahead and tee up another he gone for our boy Jonathan Lucroy down in Texas because he chose to go there <laughs> instead of going to the tribe uh, at the trade deadline, and his Texas Rangers were absolutely steamrolled out of the first round. Shell. <laughs> See you, John.
3: You know, what? actually, I'm I'm glad he didn't come here because. <laughs> Could he have beat Roberto Perez out?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I do know. Perez
3: played
4: better yeah. in round one. I don't Let's think call there's State any State.
0: question Perez played better. Yeah. Hey,
4: Perez, Perez was blocking those uh, those pass balls. That that one in the uh, late night that game was killer for Texas. Oh, terrible. Tied the game. Blocked balls, framing pitches, and he, and, he, and he hit a home run. Actually,
3: yeah. the single biggest play was when he tagged up from first there and got to second and yeah. scored. Yeah, that's a great On yeah. uh, that it's one uh, run game then in uh, game one, I really think if there was one single play that was the biggest of the three games. That's when one uh, press tagged up when uh, the left fielder was just you know real Benny, lazy like it is. That was there.
0: the wor- that was the one thing that Benintendi yep. did lazily the whole series, yep. and it that's the fine line that playoff baseball is. a regular season he just sits at first there, but you just everything is ratcheted up. That's what you have to love about it. It's why it's probably the best playoff you know atmosphere of all the sports. It's just something so small and trivial of not getting behind it and being ready to throw and instead you have to take another walk, step back to rebalance and then make a throw flat-footed. That, 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 yeah, that was tremendous.
1: Let's get into this uh, ALCS here a little bit. Um, Toronto and Boston, not all too different. They're pretty similar you know, lineups that are explosive and score runs in bunches. Um, both play well at home. They hit well in their home parks, hit a lot of home runs. The Indians on the year had a 4-3 to three ed- edge in the season series, and if you guys recall, I'm sure you do, several nail-biting, uh, intense playoff-type games, especially the series in August in Cleveland where uh, we had the the walk-off inside the parker by Naquin, which I think, Conley, you were at that game, correct? Oh, yeah, man. That was unbelievable. Yeah, and then, and then the two days later, was uh, Jose Ramirez hits a, a go-ahead homer in the eighth to kind of pull that game out too. So, Conley, give me your kind of assessment on this series and where, and where do you think the edge lies with either team?
4: I, I think what's going to be really big in a seven-game series is they're going to have to get Tomlin, Bauer. They're they going to have to get a, a six-inning start or two out of one of those two guys. They are just not going to be able to, in four games, that this would happen to go seven, to rely on that bullpen for four and five innings, consistently night in and night out. They're going to have to get some sort of depth in that starting rotation to, to go through. And honestly, just looking back at Toronto's series against Texas, Donaldson, Encarnacion, and Tulewitzki all hit the cover off the ball. Donaldson hit over 500 in that series so you've got their three best hitters there there are three four, five there, really hitting the ball well they're going to have to contain those guys they just like they did with Betts Ortiz and Pedroia they never really let them get going it's going to be the same kind of deal you can't let Toronto get multiple guys on and then hit two and three run homers and really kick this thing ahead because the Indians are going to struggle to play from behind in this series too so I think the the blueprint is relatively similar as it was in Boston because, like you said, the lineups are very similar.
1: Yeah, Encarnacion in particular worries me because, man, he's been really locked in lately. And it's like Boston, too. When the outs are there in the bottom of the lineup with guys like Michael Saunders and Darwin Barney, if he's still playing second base, you got to get those outs and not let them get cheap hits or walks and turn the lineup over to their big guns with guys on base. Sean, what are your thoughts about this series going forward?
0: I mean, Luke hit a, a tremendous amount. I think if you look at advantages that the Tribe has, obviously it's the bullpen, but you can't overtax them or overuse them. Um, at the same token, is Toronto going to get quality starting pitching? Because I think if the Indians lineup has proven anything, particularly against you know a left-hander, they've got some right-handed bats that maybe didn't get to play as much um, in the Boston series. They're going to make you pitch. They're going to make you work. More so than Texas. Texas is going to jump and going to reach at some things and and you know um, you know maybe maybe uh, go outside the zone and then they're also going to swing at some you know first pitches. They're going to swing at some one 0s Indians are going to be very, very selective at the plate. They're kind of, in that regard, very designed towards the Royals and just kind of slug it out, playoff baseball. But they are going to need the quality starts from the two and three because I don't think in game four Clevenger goes. I, I think that's just a little bit of positioning by Tito. He came out with it today. Um, I just don't see how how that kid can throw in a playoff game. I, I Just against that lineup – with where he is, you put guys on and then it he misses a spot and it's three nothing real quick.
1: Yeah, I mean I I think he's only he's setting that up as kind of a bullpen game, which is is tricky when you've already played three games ahead of that and who knows how much you're gonna have to use all those guys out there in the first
0: three games. I think Well and your five is still in Toronto. Your game five is right. still in Toronto. Right. So it's like you have to go back to back to back. So right. It doesn't make a lot of sense.
1: No, and it and it also would be difficult for Kluber to go th- three days rest, three days rest. I mean, that's pushing it too. So it's kind of it's going to depend on how the series is going. If we're up two games to one, I don't necessarily hate it if you have Kluber come back on regular rest in Game Five and then two at home. We'll just have to see how it plays out. I, I'm not really sure. the the, the, day, the Jays' rotation is not intimidating. It's they don't have one guy that really scares you. But they got four pretty solid guys, which the Indians can't say they have. like what what are your thoughts on the, the series uh, with both teams starting pitching?
3: You know, top to bottom, obviously Toronto's got the edge. Kluber's got to go deep. I I agree with Sean. I actually think Kluber's going to go one, four, and seven. Um, I, I think the game four is just a posturing unless we're up 3-0 oh, or something like that. Uh, that's wishful thinking. Um, I'm not crazy, and I don't know if we want to touch on this. I'm not crazy about Salazar pitching. He can't throw he's gonna make a He's not going
1: to make the roster.
3: Make the roster. He's he's make the- didn't make the roster. Okay, well then let me cross I, off. Well, right here.
1: I, I, it hasn't been announced yet, but I think all signs are pointing towards
0: him not making. Yeah, it. Tito actually came out that he didn't. He didn't see it happening.
3: I mean, I, I'd i rather see Shaw and Otero than uh, two-pitch Salazar who can't throw a curveball. I think our biggest key is, just like the Boston series, we got to get out early. Uh, Toronto really has a tendency, when they get down, they get home run happy. Or when it's tied into extra innings, everyone's trying to end the game. So if we can get out ahead and you know work our bullpen and have Toronto swinging out of their shoes and swinging for the fences every time, uh, I really think that benefits us.
1: It'd be nice if we can get Santana and Kipna scoring a little bit too. Those are a couple guys that really didn't do a whole lot in the in the Boston series as well.
4: And Napoli, too. I mean, really, you think about it, the yeah. back end the back half of their lineup was great. I mean, Chisholm played well. You had the Coco Crisp home run. Geyer had an RBI single in game two. I mean, the back half of that lineup really produced. I mean, they really need to get some production from that one, two and four spot.
1: Napoli's hit some prodigious foul balls though, lately. <laughs> I mean
4: Yeah, he has. Left the left the park a few times.
1: Yeah. Um, for for Toronto, Devin Travis may be back in this series. I know, Sean, you like him. He may be healthy enough to make the roster, um, but they're not sure. It could still be Darwin Barney playing second base.
0: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, Toronto's pretty simple. It's you know they're they're big three or four. How those guys hit? Um, you know, they they put up some uh, crooked numbers in the home run RBI column. It, it's got a chance to to kind of swallow us up a little bit, but. I do like that we were able to line up Kluber in game one. I think that's that's a big um, sign. I'm not actually sure where I thought you were going to maybe go. I'm I'm not tickled to death with Tomlin uh, in Toronto game three uh, unless, you know, we get the same Josh Tomlin that we got in Boston. But some of that was the weather and some of it was just kind of the gravity of the situation. If, if it's 1-1 or something heading into game three, we, we could have our backs against the wall come game four.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that, too. It's going to be important, again, like last year, it's like we said, to get those two at home and, and play from ahead. head. Bullpen-wise, the the Jays have a lot of right-handed hitters, which is good for the tribe in that they only have one lefty and Andrew Miller, and he's pretty flexible facing both lefties and righties. The Blue Jays' bullpen actually pitched really well in the Texas series, and they hadn't been pitching well down the stretch in the regular season. Osuna... Has good stuff. He's He pitched well in the Texas series. Biagini, Cecil, Greeley have all pitched well, even though I, I think those three guys are very, very vulnerable. Francisco Liriano may be pitching out of the bullpen as well in this series. So um, I don't know. I'm hoping that if, even when we played him in the regular season, I thought that, that Jason Greeley pitched way better than I would have ever expected.
3: I don't trust him. Cecil and Azuna are good. I think the rest is garbage. And I think we want to touch on. There's a big, big managing mismatch in this game. You guys all know my feelings Shoot. on that. So when it comes to decision time, seventh, eighth, ninth inning, uh, I'm going to trust Tito way more than John Gibbons in this series.
1: I agree. Let's get a pick for the series, Conley. I'm
3: going to take the Tribe and six. Woo, chill. Um, I picked Boston last series, so I'm going to keep the reverse digs going. Uh, Give me, reluctantly, Toronto in seven.
0: That
1: would be a brutal game seven to be at. Sean?
0: Brutal. Um, Head says Toronto in five, but screw it. Um, Bet big, win big. I'm taking Tribe in six. I'm
1: going to take Tribe in seven, and I'm hoping that that we get a chance to experience – an unbelievable atmosphere in a game seven at home with a chance to go to the World Series. That would be incredible. Guys, let's real quickly just tackle these other series that are going on. Uh, last night, the Cubs were able to come back from 5-2 down in the ninth inning. The San Francisco bullpen had another ridiculous implosion in the ninth inning, giving up four runs, lost that game 4-6-5. to five. The Cubs win the series 3-1. Conley, I know you've been a big fan of that Giants bullpen all year. Are you the least bit surprised at how that game ended last night?
4: And what a dumpster fire. I'll tell you what, if there was any way for their season to end, that was it, with a complete implosion. Not just a walk-up two-run home, two home run. We're talking about four runs in the ninth, cycling through relievers. Bruce Bochi had nowhere to go. Um, what a nightmare, and a very fitting end to the way their, their season ends because those last two months, that bullpen was so bad, and they didn't really do anything to shore it up. They never really had anybody step up and really – Uh, take a take a role there and and really cement anything down and and that's exactly what happened in this series i mean san francisco won game three was you know obviously looking good for game four anything can happen in a game five and you know obviously the cubs you go back to wrigley they're going to feel some pressure obviously with the hundred and some years of not winning a world series this is their year they won 100 games during the regular season you, know, you put them in a pressure situation like that, you never know what's going to happen. But
1: they're looking at facing Cueto, who pitched great in game one, and probably Bumgarner out of the bullpen in that game as well.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that you go to game five, it's a coin flip. But we aren't going to see that, and the Cubs are moving on to the uh, to the NLCS.
1: I'm, I'm sure nobody was probably up watching this game last night, and I, I just caught the, the recap this morning. But the ninth inning, Bruce Bochy went with law. He gave up a hit, yanked. Lopez, walk, <laughs> yanked. Romo you should be
0: going with the he gone, he gone, he gone.
1: <laughs> Romo, in for one batter, gave up a hit, yanked. He, he was four for four on the first four batters with four different pitchers. Used five pitchers in all in the ninth inning and uh, and ended up blowing the game six to five. Um, well, and they
4: didn't even use Sergio Casilla, who was their closer no,
1: most of the No, he was sitting on the bench. Hilarious.
4: Crying after the game, too, by the way. Shed some tears in the post-game press conference. Wow.
1: They, they do cry. show.
4: I, I actually did watch the game, and um, other
3: than Zober double doubled the line, a lot of it was just seeing-eye singles or kind of decent liners through the infield. So nothing was hit bad, but, I mean, everything was put on a tee. It was, it was pretty easy there for the Cubs, and uh, a very, very fitting way for the Giants' season end where a starter goes eight innings, looks unbelievable, and then they blow it in the end.
1: Sean, thoughts on the series at all?
0: I, I barely watched it. Um because It ended at like I mean, midnight, the, one a.m., two on so a.m. Nice job, late. MLB. These,
1: these games are on so freaking late; it's unbelievable.
0: So uh, that said, uh, things couldn't have lined up better for the Cubs. Now Scherzer's going Game Five. It, it just it, it is just so perfect for them. And if they don't make the World Series, uh, truth be told, it is a catastrophe if they don't make the World Series. Everything is lined up well for them. They've got, you know, the self-proclaimed basically best manager in baseball or God's gift to managers. Um, I'd still take the guy that we we have in our dugout any day of the week. Um, But I think the Cubs are in the World Series. Uh, I don't really think it matters who they play, Nationals or Dodgers. Uh, I'd lean towards Scherzer just from a pitching matchup. But I would say Cubs in, in five with either
1: team. Yeah, I wouldn't d- dispute that. Let's just point this out with your point about Tito. Tito Francona is the only guy left in the playoffs that has won a World Series, and he's got two more than everybody else combined. So, yeah, I'm going to take that guy over everybody else uh, in the series. I know Joe Maddon's been to one, but let's see how he does. I know we, we talked about this among just the, the four of us here earlier in the week, but the way he kind of overmanaged Game 3. that when, when the Cubs finally get in a pressure situation – and he's got to make some decisions like that. You could see that same kind of thing happening if they ever get in a pressure spot. I'm just not sure that anybody, at least in the National League, the Cubs or the or the uh, the Nationals or the Dodgers are going to be able to put any pressure on them until they get to the World Series.
4: You're not yeah. afraid of Dusty Baker?
0: No, the Lizard. No, I'm not. <laughs> he's proven it. He's proven it over the years. Um, I'll say this: the thing that frustrates me, and you know, there's no sense really, you know, hammering this too much. But if we had Carlos Carrasco. I got to think of the four teams left would be the favorites.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. I just that's what's so frustrating because you bump the two, the two and three starters back to three and four, and you can flip back and have in, in five and six, um, you know, Kluber or Carrasco, or even have Kluber back and then and then uh, Carrasco laying there in Game Six on full rest. It's that that's the thing that that, that stings the most.
1: One game left in the divisional round. Obviously, that's going to be, uh, well, it'll be Thursday night, which will probably be tonight when you're listening to this podcast. Scherzer against Hill in Game 5. Conley, your thoughts, uh, prediction on Game 5?
4: I think it's really hard to go against Max Scherzer. I'm going to take the Nats.
1: Yeah, Uh, Shill, any disagreement with that?
3: No, I'll lean that way too, but um, I I wouldn't lay the Nats. The line is Nats minus 150. I would not lay that. And kind of going off Sean's point – if the Nationals get through, I'll, I'll give them a fighting chance against the Cubs. The Dodgers, I, I think, have no chance. They cannot hit lefties. The two games John Lester starts are automatic W. So I I, I want to think that the Cubs are actually hoping the Dodgers get through.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna, I picked the Dodgers before the series started, so I'm going to stick with that prediction. But I, I don't think either team has a deep enough lineup or rotation to beat the Cubs in a seven-game series. So I'm going to stick with my World Series prediction of the Cubs as well. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Obviously the league championship series will start on Friday in Cleveland. And uh, I think uh, some of us, if not all of us are going to be up there either one or both of the games this weekend. So it should be a lot of fun guys. Any last thoughts before we wrap this up?
0: One more, one more little tip I saw from Jordan Bastian's Twitter today. He had an excellent point on Toronto, not holding runners very well. And then, Subsequently, only having like an eighteen percent throwout rate, um, and we obviously know the Indians are going to run. They got about four guys that have the green light. If those guys can get on base, then they are going to cause a lot of high pressure situations for their pitching staff. But can those guys get on base? That's the key.
3: I mean, it's a it's a classic matchup of, of Tribe are going to try to manufacture runs. Toronto's going to sit back and try to hit three run homers. So, you know, it's really no secret how the all both offenses are built right now. Uh,
4: hey, what do you guys think? How, how long into this series with with all the right-handed pitching that Toronto has? At what point do we? I know Naquin had the big hit in Game Three, but at what point do they start to steer away from him?
1: I, I think it's well. First of all, it's probably he's probably gonna be Jay Happ in Game Two, so he's probably gonna sit That's Game true. Two. So it's probably gonna depend on how he looks in Game One at least. If he if he looks awful. They may have to look at other options, but you know, I thought he looked awful, and I tweeted this. I thought he looked awful at the beginning of the game on Wed or on Monday, and he has a, a huge
4: hit to give us a two-run
1: lead. So who knows?
4: I just think to Sean's point with the running. I mean, obviously, Roger Davis is a much bigger threat, and. I mean, he can't be swinging the bat any worse than Naquin does. So I'll be curious to see if they're down 2-1 or something, if they don't throw Davis in against the righty and kind of see if they can take advantage of that.
1: I just couldn't I – just, I just going back to game three, I couldn't believe Coco Crisp had a home run. I I, I still can't believe it. <laughs> he, he's the last guy I would have picked on our entire roster to go deep.
0: I, I, I tend to agree with you. Well, no, 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 no. Michael Martinez. Well, okay, yeah, you're right. I was a bitch about him too.
3: And to that point, I'd much rather have uh, Rajay Davis out in center as well. Naquin scares the crap out of he, he gets su- such bad reads off the ball. I, I'd much rather have uh, Rajay out there in center.
0: Tito That's loves it. his arm. What I will say is, is, you know, for as much as we'll nitpick, and, you know, I, I was with you there, Matt, with regards to Naquin in game three. But that's kind of what Tito does. He just kinda of trusts guys and even though it's a short series, there's you know, small sample sizes, he just kinda of feels like the averages are gonna play out and you had three bad at bats sooner or later you're due for a good one. And you know, he hopefully it's one of those magical rides like we had in ninety seven, you know, Chad O. J. and Brian Anderson picking up W's for out of the bullpen after pitching three, four innings. Hopefully we just have that little bit of magic. I think we're going to need to channel a lot of that against the Jays if, if uh, some of us are going to hold up to the predictions that we had.
1: Hey, uh, I was so superstitious in Game 3. I was trying to do everything exactly the way I did it in Games 1 and 2. I was drinking because I was at the games in Games 1 and 2. After the second inning in Game 3, I said, i I got to have a beer. I can't do this anymore. So I, I did that. Um I remember when we closed out the the uh, Yankees in the Division Series in 07 that I was listening to Hamilton on the radio with the TV on mute, so I did the same thing in Game 3, and it worked out. You just got to keep those superstitions going in baseball, man.
3: So I got to right. yell, yeah. yell, at, yell at a fake Drew Pomerantz then from the upper deck? Yes. it's yeah, my voice? Okay. And you got to
1: yell at a fan who tried to take a ball away from a kid.
3: Well, listen <laughs> to it. The, Okay, the guy was 40. He had a glove. And and it's not like he's trying to catch foul balls. He's literally going down to the first row where the bullpen catcher is flipping it up, and he's got a glove on, and there's like five 10-year-olds around him, and he's trying to catch the ball. I had to give him a piece of my mind, and because of that, um, I don't know how I'm going to get through this college pod, but hopefully the voice holds up. If I was old like Sean, I'd probably have some hot tea right now, but I'm 32 and a man, so I'm not – Hey, I've
0: already crushed two vodka drinks, so (laughs) I'm actually showing my age by just not giving an F.
1: Buckeye vodka?
0: Is there any other kind of vodka? Obviously. Obviously.
1: All right, that's going to do it for us. We will talk to you guys next week, uh, probably after the LCSs are over. If we can maybe squeeze one in before that, we will. But, uh, guys, good talking. Go Tribe. And uh, that's going to do it for Conley, for Shill, for Sean Z. This is Matt signing off, and we will talk to you after the Tribe clinches a World Series spot.